Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for watching and listening to another episode of the Blockchain Advisor. Today, I have with me longtime friend since 1992, 1994, John Lalonde. Uh, you were a lot younger then. I, was, I had a lot of gray hair, as did you. You had jet black hair. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and John and I have, uh, our lives have uh, like a sine wave. You know, we've, we're, we're in and then we're out. We're in and we're out. And I think that's just part of the natural thing uh, of guys and also the natural thing of businesses and, you know, geographic uh, distances between the two of us. But, uh, you know, John was, uh, you know, treated my children as if they were, if they were his own. Uh, and we got to be very close in the 90s. And we kind of went our own ways geographically. But uh, I want to have John on the show because John, in my opinion, has the most profound understanding of the Pension Protection Act of 2006. He is a long time, uh, very active in financial services throughout his entire career. Uh, his business now is in pension design, custom pension design, the way I would define it. And so we're just going to talk to John uh, about, about pensions, right? And so, there, so as an investment advisor, we think a certain way. And John Lalonde being in pension design and having this very strong accounting background, and actually, your background, he like we have a dictionary with the same word, but sometimes the definitions are different for the same word. So when we, when we, when we wrestle over a bone, when we fight uh, on holding onto a rope, we're using the same words, but sometimes and quite often they have different definitions. So John, thank you so much for uh, accepting my invitation to be on the show because I think it's really important what's going on today uh, financially in our world why your type of services are super important for small but successful business owner business owners. Thanks, Bill. It's always a pleasure to see you. And uh, let's get with it. Let's do That's it. Right. So, John, let's get just get a little bit of background. Let's go back. I know you're older than I am. Okay, so let's go back to uh, high school, college. Where did you grow up? What were your interests? Uh, you were a football guy. You were, I don't know, on the Chicago Bears or something. I like just a little <laughs> bit of a little bit of background from when you were a younger man. Well, uh, yeah, I was. Uh, I, I grew up in the Chicagoland area. I went to went to the uh, through the uh, parochial system. I was, uh, graduated. Uh, I actually went to the parochial system in undergrad and three years of high school, and then I transferred out to Downers Grove High School and played uh, played football there. Went to school there. Went on to the University of Wisconsin in Northern Illinois uh, for my undergrad. Um, undergrad was focused on uh, accounting, uh, postgrad and postgrad into Paul tax financial services. Um, I was, I was, I was thinking of being a coach originally. And, and so I also at Northern Illinois was a teaching, a teaching school. So the other idea was to, was to teach. And uh, it's really, I do enjoy teaching. Um, and the work that I do now, I, I work with people like yourself, financial partners, uh, and we, we design uh, qualified plans. So your pension, your profit sharing, your 401k. Um, 401k and profit sharing is pretty much, you know, standard. You know, you can, you, there's not much to it. But in the pension area, there's quite a bit that we can do uh, for those for those companies or individuals that want to have a larger tax deductible contribution than what's allowable in your in your standalone 401k or profit sharing plan. So what I learned along the way, John, and that is. There, from my perspective, there's three bins. There's an individual retirement account, which right now the maximum contributions are six thousand dollars per year. 
Unless you're the, over the age of 50, you can do a catch-up contribution of an additional 1000 which puts $7,000 maximum contribution to an IRA. Mm -hmm. Then we have a 401k plan. Maximum contributions around 57 or 63,000. Uh, it's uh, depends. It depends. It's fifty-eight thousand in twenty twenty-one, but then you also have if you're if you're fifty or over, you have a catch-up provision, which is another sixty-five hundred. And in twenty twenty-two, that's gone up uh, to sixty-one thousand plus your sixty-five hundred, so you have sixty-seven five. Sixty-seven five. Okay. So the four hundred one k. And again, we when I say four hundred one k, I think of a thing like if something I buy from a f company like Fidelity, TD Ameritrade, Schwab. But for you, 401k is a, a line in IRS tax code. So your perspective yes. is a little bit different. So mm -hmm. the 401k is uh, an employee benefit. Company owners set them up in order to attract and retain talent. They also are subject to um, tax-free tax contributions by the employee, but not free from payroll tax. So both the employer and the employee pay about 7%, 7 percent, 7.5% in payroll tax, and then the contribution goes into the 401k. Is that correct? Well, the the first of all, let, let's start a little more basic than the 401k. Mm -hmm. Every 401k plan is a profit sharing plan. Okay. The 401k uh, provision uh, is an elective deferral. So it, it, it's, it's a, it, you can do a profit sharing plan where it's fully funded by the company. All right. Uh, and, um, those plans, there's nothing taken out of the employee's paycheck, so it's all before tax. Um, there's no payroll tax on the employee contributions. No, no, no excuse me, there's no employee contribution, so there's no, no payroll tax at all involved in a profit sharing plan. Profit when you add the 401k elective, that goes through the payroll system, so that's where the that's where you get get hit with that reduction because it's part of your compensation. Okay, and so why it's an do you elective, think it's an elective deferral? So why do you think the 401k business exploded so much in the 1980s and 90s and you know up until today was it is it really a amazing savings opportunity for people or did you see it more as a marketing uh, marketing ploy marketing? Well, i think it's a combination you know i think it's a combination of those things really great marketing um but also the fact that uh, prior to that uh, you know the the electric deferrals weren't there so you, you weren't getting the deduct and um when the 401k came on the scene that allowed the person to take some of his own money uh, that would otherwise be taken home uh, and and direct that up to the up to the allowable amounts on a before tax basis to help fund his retirement. So you'd have the company contribution if there was one at all. You don't. There doesn't have to be a country company contribution. Normally there is, but uh, the person could could fund their own retirement plan just simply by a payroll reduction. Got it. Got it. The elective deferral. Yeah. Okay. And then then the third silo that I looked at that I never really thought much about until you and I were having conversations. Is it, oh my gosh, how many years ago is it now? Don't tell me. Okay. <laughs> uh, I won't, but it's around 16 I, I know ago. that Anna and so on, they were, they were just little kids. So Crazy, right. But then there's something called a pension plan. So there's an individual retirement account, a 401k account, profit sharing plan, and then there's a pension plan. And this is what mm -hmm. blew my mind when I thought about uh, what the benefits to a, again, small but successful business could have for themselves or for their employees. The pension plan really is, is you know, when I, when I studied it and had conversations with you, to be able to say, this is what UPS does, Federal Express, CalPERS, the teachers' unions, this is what, um, this is what it means to receive a pension, defined benefit 
versus defined contribution. And to be able to do a defined benefit program for a small business owner is actually, <laughs> in, my, in my opinion, a mind-blowing thing that I didn't even know that exists. And I frankly, I don't think very few people still to this day know it exists. How do you feel about that? Do you feel? Well, yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of people in the, the qualified plan business, but you're talking, I think what you're talking about is the fact that you can, uh, that there's two different types of retirement plan. One is your defined contribution, like you're, you're defining the contribution, how much money can I put into a retirement plan, whether that's your IRA, whether that's your 401k, or whatever, how much money can I take and put into my retirement plan with tax incentives and deductibility, tax tax deferral on earnings and so on, and defer that to my, to, to my retirement date. Uh, the other type of plan, which has been around much longer, uh, is a pension. And pensions have different forms. Uh, but the bottom line is that we're, what we're doing in a pension is we're looking at the benefit at the end of the day and we're funding to a benefit. So it's, a, it, it's, 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 it's not a matter of putting, looking at defined contribution is saying we're defining how much money we're going to put away and whatever, whatever it grows to and whatever mutual fund it is, whatever stock fund it is, whatever the money manager uh, does over, with performance over that period of time, that's the amount of money that's going to be there. Like, like a savings account, you put money in the account, you get an interest rate, and at the end of the day, you've got the, the principal and interest. Here you, in the DC plan, you, you, you're defining exactly the contribution, and uh, the contribution is, is, a, is a set amount each year. It's regulated each year by the government. You put that money away up to that amount, and you're going to earn tax-exempt earnings, and when it comes out, you're going to be taxed. Um, a pension is a little bit different because what you're, you're not looking at, what you're looking at is funding toward a benefit. And um, that's why they call it a defined benefit. So you're defining the benefit at the end of the day. And that has gone up from when I started out, geez, it was, I'm not gonna say it, but years before even you. Say it, say it. (laughs) We were funding for benefits that were, you know, a third of what they can do now, what you can do now, right? Right now we can fund for a benefit in 2022 of 245,000 a year. So the question then becomes, all right, I can fund for a benefit of up to 200, 100% of pay up to $245,000, right? And um, that $245,000 is what I'm going to receive. That's what I can fund for now for when I retire. So the question then becomes, well, when am I going to retire? Okay. Or for all, even more academic than that is how much money do I need to fund a benefit of $245,000? And it comes out to $3 million and change at a conservative interest rate. So we're gonna fund for a benefit of 245, which means we need $3 million to get there. The contributions that I make, we're just, we're just looking at the 3 million bucks and we're saying, okay, how many years do I have to accumulate that 3 million? And what can I reasonably assume as an earn rate? Okay, mm-hmm. uh, so if I'm gonna have the 3 million and let's say I'm 60 and I wanna retire at age 65 and I've got $3 million as my target, as we, then we're taking 3 million divided by six, we're going to put away 500,000 a year, absent the interest, less the interest, right? But they have cost of living adjustments as well. So typically the interest rate that you earn is going to be offset by cost of living adjustments. When I was funding for, you know, $100,000 a year or $75,000 a year, 20, 25 years ago, it was a much different ball game. We weren't funding, we were funding for a fraction of what we have to fund for now. So we can set up a plan, we can set up a basic plan uh, a pension, a cash, what we call cash balance uh, or defined benefit cash balance. And all we're doing is looking at, okay, I need this amount of money in this many years. 
So just just off the top off of your top head, if I finance age sixty to sixty five, I got five hundred thousand a year that I can put away tax free, tax tax deductible five hundred thousand dollars a year. Then if I'm doing it in ten years and I need three million, it's three hundred thousand a year. Okay, and, but now as the farther we get away from it with the earning rate, you have to factor in what your what your compound earnings are going to do. But typically, the cost of living adjustments have offset the interest assumption. So um, right now, I can fund over five years, roughly, um, well, five into three million, six hundred thousand a year. That's insane. for that one person. For one person. For one person. So just again, I'm just gonna I'm gonna just you know I, I heard what you said. I'm gonna repeat it just to make sure I fully understand it. So a defined yeah. so the defined benefit plan is that we are going to have like a savings account, and we are going to ask ourselves that we are going to say. We can put in up to three, we can put in this particular example, $3 million into the savings account because we know that actuarially we can earn 8% a year that that spins up $245,000 a year as a benefit in during retirement for a small business owner. So really what we're doing is we're kind of backward filling in. We're saying, this is how much we can, this is what the IRS will permit us to earn as, as a benefit. And how many years do we have to get there? And what interest rate are we looking at? Is that? Yeah. Yeah, you would never use 8%. You'd use probably something closer to the treasury rate. But the lower the rate, obviously, when, we're, when you're doing a defined benefit plan for, for a certain group, I'd say professional group or a very successful businessman, what you're looking to, to try to do is to, is to put away the most amount of money that you can now. Mm -hmm. And there are rules. When we, when we calculate out that how much money we're putting away, we have to, we have to assume a certain under interest rate. And typically, we'll assume the 30-year you know, treasury as the rate. If we use a rate higher than that, that means we can put away less money per year. The other part of it is you can't, you can't fund for more than hundred percent of their, of their earned income okay. or their compensation. So, and the maximum on that right now is 230,000 a year. That's a maximum benefit. So if you're making 500,000, you can only still, still can only fund for 230. Okay. Um, just, I should, I said that was 21, 22 and 22, you can fund for up to 245. So John, you said that you know we shouldn't use eight percent as the actuarial rate, and we should use the the thirty-year treasury bond. We use a thirty-year treasury, like three yeah. percent. So we're talking about like so. What is the actual rule? Because that means you can set aside, you can have a cash balance plan with almost nine million dollars in it. If you were, if the rate now, is now you're limited, regardless of your interest rate, you're limited to the um, uh, to the to the to the interest rate of around three percent. So so you're going to be um, that $3 million isn't going to change. And that's, that's a static number, and it, that's changed legislatively by cost of living adjustments and so on. So, you know, right now we can fund for a benefit of 245, which at a conservative interest rate, we, we, can, we can put away 3 million bucks. Now, I've had situations uh, where people have lost money, uh, and now you have to put away more, okay, because you have to make up the difference, because you're, you're promising a benefit at, at a certain date. Now, if, it's, if you're if you own the company, it's your account, and you lose money in, in the in the in the in the account, then you've got to make up that difference in order to get back up to that three million bucks. Okay. The opposite is also true. So if you and this is only in a pension, if you invest in something, well, we had a guy, we had a fellow that came to us about uh, six months ago, not six, about um, six weeks ago, and uh, he had taken his entire pension plan and put it in Tesla. And I, I, you could probably tell me what Tesla has done. I, what all I know is what happened. You know, he 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 went he went he went from a, a from a point of funding for three million, and all of a sudden now with that amount of money, he's got three million dollars today. You right. know, so 
So when it, it, and he's still 10 years away from retirement. Well, if I got the $3 million today and I'm 10 years away from retirement, I'm already funded. Okay. I'm already fully funded. Okay. Yeah. So what happens is if you're overfunded in those plans, if you're overfunded, then there's a penalty. You pay that you, you pay the, now you, you pay it when it comes out, but you pay the income tax. So he's got a, Fortunately, the guy was young enough that there's certain strategies that you can use to fix the problem. Mm -hmm. But the bottom line is, um, yeah, you're limited to you're limited to that three million bucks. And if you go over that amount without a cost of living adjustment, you're going to you're going to lose the gain. So I'm just going to go back. So I tell people I tell people to be conservative in their pension and in their investments. Mm -hmm. Be conservative there. Uh, look at look at more of a guaranteed type of rate. And if you want to gamble, gamble in your gamble in your 401k profit sharing. Okay. Because there's no limit there. So I'm still, I'm just going to, I'm still struggling with one thing and just for a little bit of additional clarity. So we know that the maximum benefit is roughly 245000 We know that a conservative interest rate that the U.S. Treasury 30-year bond is, say, 3%. 3%. Right. Percent. So do we not take 245 and divide it by 3 to give us what the, the net number is and then divide that by the number of years? Like, is the $3 million? No, it's, it's, like, it's more like it's the 245 is income, so it's principal and interest. So you, it would be the annuity debt value at the retirement date. The re, okay. The re, the re, it's not just it's not the earnings. It's not the earnings aren't two forty five. The payout is two forty five. Yes. And payout is principal and earnings. But I right. So I need that three million dollar principal in a savings account earning something in order to get that benefit. That three million dollars is fixed yes. by the Internal Revenue Service. No, it's actuarially calculated. Okay. All right. So, yeah. the, so you, right, okay. If you're if I got if it's a different if if I was. If I was earning, if I used a re interest rate of five percent, I wouldn't need three million Correct. to pay out the forty-five because that's principal interest. It was made. If I had eight percent, I'd need much less. So normally, what we're doing is we're trying to get a good balance here, uh, and we fund. I we try to fund. This is all tax sensitive, mm -hmm. right? The people that are putting away this kind of money are normally in a very high tax bracket, so they're looking to put away the money before tax, right? Yes. So we're using a conservative interest rate. And we're saying, okay, here's what we do. Now we have to use some discipline in how we're how we're investing, because again, if if you, if the stock market was crazy, if you put everything, if you put all of your assets into equity mm -hmm. in your pension plan, right, and you have something that's happened in the last in the last year or so right. with the with the stock market going up uh, considerably above the three percent limit, then you got you probably got too much money in there. Got it. No. Okay, so how, now, got, now, so that's not a bad problem to have. Too much money is, is a good problem, right? right. Yeah. Uh, right? You funded your benefit, but you want to make sure that you don't. If, if you're overfunded, the penalty is the, the penalty is fifty percent. Fifty percent of the overfunding. Of the overfunding, right? Now again, it, it happens when you shut the thing down, and you know, in a lot of businesses, you can you can use that. All you have to do is produce more expenses. Mm -hmm. now, how do you produce more expenses? Well, hire employees. If you have, if you have a if you have a big plan, hire employees. You can so that's one way you create more expense. But you've already pre-funded their retirement plan. What a benefit! You know, come to work for me. I guarantee you're you're going to have a, a retirement benefit. You know, so there's there's a lot of different ways to take care of the problem, but the it's it's also might be more um, interesting to avoid the problem in the first place. Sure. So, so again, just be a little. Yeah. So, so just to recap, you know, normally these type of pension plans we only see in like a teacher's union, police union, maybe old school, older type of businesses, because we've moved so much to a 401k defined contribution world. 
but it's still possible and actually attractive for small business owners, and again, small but successful, to create an old school, quote unquote, pension plan for their businesses because they can create a, they can design a benefit and then make these contributions to a cash balance plan, which is a defined benefit plan, in order to meet that target, not only for themselves, but also for their spouses or other uh, other family members, is that? Did I understand that correctly? You had once said that. Oh, it depends on the. It depend, there are certain benefits in a pension plan that uh, accrue to um, any tax dependent of the participant, uh, spouses, children, whatever, um, and that's uh, what's called a four hundred one H benefit. Four hundred one H is an incidental benefit in a pension plan, um, which provides a a tax deductible contribution. It's, the, the benefit is to pay for post-retirement medical expenses uh, for your for your for your uh, participant, but it also covers any 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 expenses for the um, any tax dependent. So you know if you have elderly parents, you can you can use it for them uh, if they're your tax dependent. Right. So special it's, needs a, it's a wonderful. Pardon. Special needs children. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. As long as you reach as long as you reach your your your, your age, so you're looking at 62 years old typically as the as the early withdrawal period for your 401h money, and then at 62 you can use it for any 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 tax dependent that you have. Okay, so just again to recap, the way I understand it is once you're fully funded and you've made your full contributions to the cash balance plan, and if you can also make contributions to a profit sharing plan for that company, you know you. And then on top of that is another incidental or additional benefit that the IRS permits, and that is a account that you can mm -hmm. fund with tax-deductible contributions to help fund to reimburse you for medical expenses in post-retirement. So this is this is part of Reimbur reimburse or pay directly. Pay directly. Either one. Right. Yeah. So what I love about this, John, and as I have an Excel spreadsheet here on my computer, and that is if two people, say you and I, were small business owners with similar profitability, similar salary, and you were to set aside $10,000 a year and put it in a 401k, and I set aside $10,000 a year simultaneously in a 401h medical expense reimbursement account, at the end of 10 years, earning, say, 5%, we'd have about $150,000 in the account. You, making the con you who were making the 401k contributions, you have to withdraw 30%, 35% more money than I do on an annual basis to have, say, a $10,000 medical. See, right, I've got too far ahead of myself. Say then at the end of these years that the account, we both have 10, uh, about 150 grand in our account after 10 years. If we decide we're going to spend $10,000 or we anticipate $10,000 a year in medical expense, you would have to take out thirteen dollars to $15,000 a year to pay your tax because the, the money that comes out of a 401k is, has to be taxed. Right. Next right. As ordinary income. And then you're left over with about 10 grand that you could use for medical expenses. I, on the other hand, with the 401h medical expense reimbursement account, can merely submit my ten thousand dollars to the to the fund, basically. And it just compared directly, yeah. 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 The, yeah the get reimbursed. It gets reimbursed it, it, directly. And that's not that is that allows my retirement money to last almost twice as long if I don't have to pay tax on that money is a required well, distribution, so to speak. Yeah. Medical expenses, if you're itemizing, are going to be deductible, right? Uh, if you're if you're if your adjusted gross income is low enough. But if your adjusted gross income is too high, you're not going to get any deduction on your medical expenses. Um, 
the 401h benefit is the only, first of all, it's only a pension benefit. You can't get, you can't do it with a 401k. You can't or get a it anywhere share. except on a pension plan, right? Only a pension. It's an incidental benefit on a pension plan. And it's an additional contribution. So if, if my, uh, let's say my limit in my pension plan would be a uh, hundred thousand dollars, let's say a hundred, let's say my limit on my pension plan is $150,000. Um, I could spend another one third or another 50,000, assuming that the numbers crunched right, mm -hmm. another 50,000 for my 401h account. Okay, that would be up to one third. So it's 25% of the total or one third add on. Um, now there are limitations on on your 401h. Um, but the, the nice the thing I like about it most is it's it's the most tax favored benefit that in, in, in the universe, because it's it, you get a deduction on the contribution, you get tax exempt earnings uh, on all of all of the internal earnings of your investments, and it comes out tax free. Absolutely. It doesn't, and it doesn't matter what your AGI is. You can be a, you can be a physician making, uh, you know, half a million, million dollars a year or a business owner making $10 million a year. And there's not one penny to pay in tax. Wow. That's so you don't hear anybody talk about that. Well, it's been around since 1962. I've been using it since the eighties when I found out about it. And, um, there are a lot of happy people using imagine. it, especially now that yeah. Medicare and Medicaid, I'm sorry, medical expenses are just so much in our face. Back then, well, not only look at your deductibles and your health insurance policies. Okay, so this will take care of all your deductibles. It'll take care of your premiums. Uh, anything that's not covered by insurance, it'll cover for yourself, your spouse, and any other tax dependent. Wow. So, in a yeah. perfect world, yeah. say you could well, say you had, you could just do everything perfectly. And by that, I mean, you are a is it a C corp or an S corp, John? That's the best kind of uh, structure for a business to take advantage of this. Oh, it, either or. I mean, it doesn't it, the structure of the business doesn't matter whether you're a sole proprietor or whether you're a C corp, S corp, uh, LLC, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Okay. So in a perfect world, let's just say someone who's age 62 and mm -hmm. in order to get to the $245,000 benefit, I would, I, I could contribute up to $3 million over this time period. It could be $500,000 a year for six years. It could be whatever that number is. So I have a cash balance plan I can contribute to. I have a profit sharing plan I can contribute to. Can I still contribute to a 401k? Yes. And I, can I still contribute to my Roth IRA? Uh, let's leave that for another discussion. Okay. There, 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 most likely, yes. Okay. Let, there, yeah. But who cares about the $6,000 contribution really, or seven, when you can do... 500 grand or whatever that number might be on the, the pension. Right. Side. Okay. That's correct. Okay. So you got cash balance plan, profit sharing plan. I can still contribute to a 401k and I've got the 401h medical expense reimbursement account. Yes. Wow. So we're talking, so that's, that's huge, John. So that in, in, in one way though, like no, I might, I might mention one thing. Yes. There's a, there's a, there's a rule called it's an annual addition limit. Okay. It's called the annual addition limit. And, um, 401k and profit sharing is subject to the annual addition limit. So is 401h. So the combination of those three items, mm -hmm. deferrals, profit sharing, and 401h cannot exceed the annual addition limit on a per person, on a per participant basis. Okay. okay. The annual addition limit is what we're talking about. So 61,000 for 2022, if you're under 50, so your 401k, 
your profit sharing and your 401 h cannot exceed 61,000 if you're under 50. If you're 50 or over, it can go to 67.5. Uh, right. Wow. Okay. Still yeah. really good. Yep. How come uh, I don't hear very many people talking about this? Is it just not, has it still hasn't caught on? You said it's been around since 19. First of all, it's only a pension benefit. Yes. So if, if you're not in the pension arena, if you're if if you're like most of your mutual fund companies and money management companies, um, they're they're on the 401k bandwagon, and the 401k is a wonderful plan, but it has very limited contributions. So it's great it's great across the board for as long as you, if, if you can use it, it's great. Um, but quite you're gonna you're gonna if you're making a lot of money, what's a twenty thousand dollar deduction if you're making a half a million dollars a year? Right. It's still it's still a great deal. You know, you're still getting a full deduction on it, but um, unless you're a Roth and then there's no deduction, just the tax, just the tax deferral right. or tax free, the tax free tax deferred income is, I'm, I'm misspeaking. You're on a, on a Roth, you don't get the deduction now, okay, but you get the payout tax free and you get the tax exempt earnings, okay. Um, if it's not a Roth, then you get the, if you take the deduction on the 401k, then you're going to have uh, taxable income um, coming out, right? The nice thing about 401h is the fact that you get the deduction, the taxes and earnings, and the tax-free payout. Like you said, there's the only trifecta that's available. It's tax trifecta. Yeah. All right. So my next question then, John, is you and I in our conversations have talked about what what kind of investments can go inside of a cash balance plan or inside of a pension plan. Mm -hmm. And you had said that the, the assets are trustee-directed assets, which means you can open up an account at TD Ameritrade or Fidelity, Schwab. You can do stocks, mutual funds, exchange-traded funds, bonds, uh, any kind of fund. You can do real estate, hold gold. Like, tell me some more about, tell me some more about some of the asset. Bitcoin, I would imagine, could be inside there depending on how it's custodied. And we can have a Bitcoin conversation later, but it is recognized by Fidelity. So, for those people that. So we still so there's a risk here that if you take Bitcoin and put it inside of a pension plan, that if it were to go from forty thousand dollars a token to a million dollars a token, that your pension plan could theoretically be overfunded, right? So that would yes. Be, so, but it's still a good problem to have, not a not a bad problem to yeah. have. But yeah, what are some of the other what other things have you seen inside pension plans, John, in terms of the types of really out out of the box? investments that trustees have directed for their own pension plan? Have you seen anything? Uh, usually, it's the, usually it's the conventional menu. You know, um, you, you've mentioned the, a, a big the one. The, the, the really troublesome issue is overfunding because of the size of the penalty for overfunding. There are strategies to, to unwind and overfunding, but, you know, there's certain things you can do by just simply being uh, selective and, and, um, disciplined in your investing, uh, where you, I would do, you know, if, again, I, I say it all the time, you do a combined plan design. So your pension is going to be your, the pension is going to be the, 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 the place where you're going to get the largest tax deduction, but it's also going to be the place where you're going to be most conservative in your investment investments. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at more of your guaranteed type of earnings. Okay. Um, if you're going into equities, you're going to look at your, your most conservative types of businesses and stocks. You, you, you don't want uh, to, to gamble with pension money. Okay. It's, there's, there's too, it's too good on the back end to, to, to screw it up. And you, if you're going to gamble, put in, also put in your profit sharing plan 
And then in your profit sharing plan, you can do self-directed accounts, right? Right. And you can do the same thing with your 401k. And, and there, if a per individual wants to, wants to gamble, whether he's the owner of the company or whether he's a guy working for the owner, um, if you want to buy your Bitcoin and, and, your, uh, and your Tesla stocks and all this other stuff, do it there right. because you can make a thousand percent a year and there's no penalty. Got it. Right. So you got to be disciplined in how you handle that. Um, yeah. Uh, that's the... okay, so, I'm, so let me ask you this. Have you had any conversations with other money managers or actuaries, accountants that say, you know, John, again, these actuarial assumptions that we, we've been using all these years for a long treasury rate. Now we have inflation somewhere between 5 and 8%. Um, how do you solve for a higher inflation? I mean, before we had 2% or less inflation annually. Now we have maybe 8% inflation. How does this affect the numbers for not just your own pension plans of the, of your clients, but maybe big fortune 500 companies. Like how do they dance? This dance? I've gone through this before. I, I went through the, I went through the seventies uh, and eighties, you know, um, and uh, you know, we had, we had the, exactly the, the same issues. And um, what happens is the government does a cost of living adjustment. Mm -hmm. So in a pension, a pension plan, your cost of living, when you have inflation, your cost of living goes up. Okay. Right. Uh, and 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 because your groceries, you know, your gasoline, and that, everybody knows what's happened to gasoline prices, right? So your gasoline price goes up, your 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 cost of getting products to your supermarket or ever goes up because the diesel fuel is going up, and everything's going up, right? We're we're in that situation right now, uh, and and when they're pumping all this money in, I was going to call you and see what the hell they're pumping so much money into the economy with all these gifts to people that aren't working. Right. So it's got to be inflationary. You can't you can't give all this money away without it being inflationary. So, um, you know, there, there's just common sense sometimes can tell you what, what's going on, but the government gives us cost of living adjustments. So if the cost of living doubled, then technically what would happen is your pension benefit would double. Technically. Technically. <laughs> but the government yeah. can you be gotta, a little bit slow to move. So we're not, we're not going to yeah. see a 500. They can be a little bit slow to move. That's right. That's right. Right. Oh boy. Oh boy. So, John, is there anything else you want to add to uh, the conversation in terms of uh, either, I'm not going to say outside the box, like maybe maybe a trustee of a pension plan wanted to own storage units that paid an 8% yield, uh, you know, a, a capitalization rate. Like, is that is that okay to, to do that in a, in a cash bill, in a pension plan? Or would you just say- Yeah, there's not, well, again, you don't want to put, you don't never want to put a tax shelter inside of a tax shelter. Got it. Okay. So you might want to use your pension plan to provide a mortgage. Maybe it's a mortgage, you know, that you're using to, 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 for, to, for that particular piece of property. You can provide a mortgage for it. But then you've got, then you've got other issues that you want to, want to consider and that you can't, you know, can't get self-dealing and so on. So right. you, I would think that um, you, just have to, you just have to be disciplined and look at where, where you're going. The pension plan is going to allow you to put away more money but you're going to have more restrictions on on that, and you have a limit on how much money you can accumulate in there. So I say go to the, go to the more um, conservative investments to start with in your pension plan, um, and the gamble in your 401k profit sharing. Yeah. Swing swing for the fences in your 401ks and profit sharing. Plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I guess you know I, you know, when we were in a two percent inflation world, you know, growing cash balance. Uh, assets seem to be like a no-brainer, like it seemed to be okay. But now we're in a higher interest rate environment. We've seen the bond market just get totally annihilated in the last you know, year to date, last year or so. Yeah. 
Uh, growth is an asset class in the stock market down 24%. Uh, the S&P 500 down 11. Russell 2000 down, I think, 16% year to date. So we're seeing this huge pullback, this contraction from the liquidity that we saw mm -hmm. when you know all this money was thrown at the COVID thing. So I'm just wondering how I just- well, in a pension yeah, one of my one thought as you said that in a pension plan, if you let's say a pension plan, normally a bond is considered to be more of a conservative type of investment. I guess it would depend on your rating, right? Mm -hmm. um, but let's say we bought conservative bonds, and you hit an interest, and bonds are going to go south when interest rates go north, yeah. right? So if you if you did your whole your whole portfolio was in, if your whole pension portfolio was in bonds, your principal would go down. Yeah. Right. And um, what happens when your principal goes down? Well, that, that allows you to put away, if you have, I'm funding toward a set amount. So that yeah. amount isn't, that amount's going to go up with inflation or it's going to stay the same if we're, you know, it's never going to be taken back. I've never seen ever in, in the 40 years or so, I've never seen ever in the history of pension plans, the government taking away benefits, mm -hmm. okay? Um, I've, I've seen static for, for a period of time, but mostly we're looking at an increase and, and it's gone from 230,000, 245,000, 18 months, Got it. right. That you can, as far as your benefit. So you're, you're increasing your, 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 your corpus or your, the, the amount that you're funding toward all the time. If you lose money in a pension plan. Okay. Uh, what would happen is that future contributions would go up to make up the difference. So you'd have a, you'd have additional monies that you could put in. So you have to weigh it, weigh everything. I, I like the idea of being being more conservative in your pension, uh, and using your if, if for somebody that has that uh, has has an inclination to do something a little bit more aggressive to do it in the do it in the uh, profit sharing plan, uh, and then we can talk to any risk attorney we want about doing straddles between the two plans. Okay. Well, okay. I don't think straddles is not a. a good word because that was you know that was definitely changed back in 1986 but there are like you said there are some i'm sure there's some insurance products i'm sure there's other ways that are creative that you can because you know i think in our conversation can i bu can't i buy a future can i buy or sell a future in one in one plan into the opposite strategy in the other so if one goes up the other goes down well, you know, I think that would be for uh, an ERISA attorney to to weigh on because I think the thing is, if you're trying to not pay tax, that would be illegal. But if you're trying to avoid paying a penalty of an overfunded pension plan, I don't, and I'm not an attorney, but I would think that one would be permissible and one would not be permissible. That you could uh, you could do you could do advanced strategies to prevent a overfunded penalty from a pension plan, but to avoid paying taxes would be that's not good well, avoidance is all avoid evasion is the evasion, avoidance is right. evasion evasion is the is the criminal thing i don't think to avoid taxes is wrong i think that i think jay hoover edgar hoover j edgar hoover actually said that avoiding tax is not a, is not a problem evading them is well i remember back on the trading floor there was a, in before 1986 um there was a strategy where people were rolling all their profits from one year to the next and it got to the mm -hmm. point john where they would take a whole stack of trading cards and they would take the losing trades and keep them in you know account uh, you know B I L L and they would they would take the losers in one account and put the gainers in another account right under B it was same beneficial ownership same trades I was cherry picking through the the things and you know guys went to jail for that okay uh, <laughs> back in the eighty between eighty two and eighty four maybe you know eighty six I think when Rostenkowski 
I, under Ronald Reagan, I think it was that the, there was a Tax Reform Act back then. But since then, there are, you know, I think there are advanced strategies that we can maybe do another show on, on how to deal with an overfunded pension plan to avoid those 50% penalties. Because no one's looking to evade taxes. We're just looking to avoid the penalty, like you said. Yes. Yeah. That's All right, right. Ken, anything else you want to talk about while we're here? Uh, well, um, when, when, you guys, when you guys can come up and visit us sometime. As soon as we get some clear sky and we can sit on the boat and have a... <laughs> have a cocktail or something. All right. There you go. There you go. Okay, buddy. So John, how can people get in touch with you if they want to know more about this or get uh, a, a company census and, and really get deep into the details of the of your super yeah. 401k plan? Yeah. I want to mention that there's no cost for a study, you know, so we would do a, 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 a we would, if we had a, a census of the company, we have a form called a company data form that gives us all the information that we need. We need to know what they've done in the past, if they've done anything. And once we get all that information, then we can give them uh, estimates on as, as to what they can do prospectively as far as their deductions go. Yeah. Uh, and what it will cost them for employees if they have any. Okay. How can they get you know, typically, yeah, typical. Well, they can they can get a hold of us. Um, I think you can give them the the information anytime they called you, uh, or they can they can get a hold of us. Um, I can I'll send you the I'll send you our email address, and our contact information. Does that make good sense? And then just you can just send it out. Okay, so can I just say it on? Can I say it right here? I have it. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. So it's Lalonde at stromactuarial.com. That's L-A-L-O-N-D-E yes. at S-T-R-O-M-E actuarial.com. Or you can call John at area code 574-273-13 and use extension 12. That's area code 574-273-1413. This is John Lalonde with Lalonde Qualified Plan Design and Consulting Services. Uh, John, honestly, you're the, you're the smartest guy on the block. I mean, you've been doing this forever. You, um, you just have such a great grasp of, of all things pensioned related, and I really appreciate your time and uh, look forward to having another conversation with you in, down the road, coming out and having, being on the boat, seeing your family, hanging out with Scrappy the dog, and, uh, and going from there. Just one, uh, just one other thing I want to mention, and it, it, I think it's important uh, that we are fee only. Uh, we do not, we don't manage money, we don't sell product, in, investment insurance products. All we do is our actuarial work and our administrative work, and it's a fee only basis. Every account, every time we look at these things in their in the in the uh, uh, proposals that we put out, you're going to have all of the options of deduction for your contributions and so on for your various plans, uh, and you're going to have a you're going to have a fee estimate. So nope, there's there's nothing behind the scenes. It's just everything is up front, and uh, these are tax deductible. Right. <laughs> and one and yeah. one thing that I forgot to talk about, you had said um, we were talking about actuarial uh, numbers and the and the rate of of the of how big the pension plan can be. But all your yeah. plans are certified, right? Each year they have to be. Uh, Natural, well, pension, pensions require an actuarial certification. And I think that's one of the reasons that 401H is kind of, even though it's been law since 1962, mm -hmm. it's been good law since 1962. And uh, a lot of the pension uh, providers have just passed it by. And um, I think the reason is that it doesn't require, the, the, the 401H contribution does not require an actuarial certification. Uh, so the actuaries, if, if you're going to teach somebody, you're going to teach them how they make money, right? So they, they don't, they don't, they don't teach it because it's not doesn't require the actuarial certification. Um, so at least that's the only thing I can think of because it's just too good a benefit. Now I might mention that uh, some of your 
more knowledgeable companies, Fortune 100 companies do have states, you know, state governments have 401H plans. Sure. But it's not, it, it, there's a lot of, there are a lot of assets in 401H, um, but it's been neglected at the consumer level. Sure the normal consumer level, a normal businessman or professional man's level. I remember back in 2016, John, I had a subscription to an ERISA database and did a mm -hmm. search just for 401H accounts. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what happened to that spreadsheet. I have it somewhere. I think I may have even emailed it to you because I was blown away by the, the, na the number of household names that had a 401H account in yeah. their pension plan for their employees. Yeah. So yep. this is not a weird, this is not a one-off thing. This is not a weird thing. This is not a loophole in tax law. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of large companies that have 401H medical expense reimbursement accounts for their own employees. And now we can do it for small but successful business owners. It's really tremendous. That's right. God bless America. Um, God right, bless John, America. Thank you so much. I'll chat with you again. God bless you and Evie. Bye-bye and your family. Bye, right, John. Bye-bye.